Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a holistic business coach and intuitive healer who supports empaths in creating a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illness as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities that my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on their path to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as a highly sensitive person. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now let's get started. On today's episode, I had the honor and pleasure of interviewing Maddie Moon, who is a walking permission slip, soul igniter, and devoted teacher. Using a powerhouse of tools to teach the art of acceptance, Maddie helps you expose your divine feminine and masculine, your light and dark sides, and your own unique pathway to inner healing. Her work and story has been featured on hundreds of podcasts and many other publications like People, Men's Health, ABC News Nightline and many more. She also has her own weekly podcast called Mind Body Musings. On today's episode, Maddie and I go deep into her story and nurturing our feminine and masculine energy in our lives. We talk about the fear and the anxiety around confronting our emotions and what it really means to feel all the feels and fully confront and integrate our shadow side. I know you're going to love today's episode, so let's get started. 
Welcome to the show, Maddie. I'm so excited and honored to have you here today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So I have been following you and along with your journey and messages for a while now. I'm kind of one of those silent people that follow you. And I absolutely love how just unapologetic you are in expressing your truth. And Hmm. as you say it, feeling all the feels. And I'm just so curious to, to know about what led you to this work that you are in now and and really the evolution of it as well. Oh, such a story. <laughs> Thank you. I, I so appreciate that. And I just, I realized there's nothing ever to be sorry for, mm. you know, and I, when people say you're unapologetically yourself, I think we hear this phrase often. So we start to forget what that actually means. Yeah. You slow down. You look at what it means to be unapologetic it means to not be sorry for being human yeah and if people are sorry for being human that's a part of the journey of of you know maybe saying sorry unconsciously or Mm -hmm. feeling feelings of shame or guilt but that's something that we want to feel so that we can look at it and really stop and pause and ask why do I feel shame for feeling jealousy or anger or rage or sadness or being human being passive aggressive like all of the dark shadow sides to being Mm -hmm. us those are so important. Our shadow is so welcome and important. And I think that's mm-hmm. why I'm doing this work is because I don't want people to apologize for who they are. And that's a hard habit to break. And oftentimes whenever you're moving through that period of no longer, for the first time, no longer apologizing for being you, there's this weird like feeling that comes up of being the bad guy, especially mm-hmm. if you have this good girl syndrome and like finally stepping up in that way and not apologizing for who you are, it's going to feel kind of icky for a bit, but it starts to feel more and more um, natural and beautiful. And Mm -hmm. and there's a way to be yourself without making anybody else wrong for being them. Yeah. Yeah. Just had to like put that in there. I love that. No, it's such an important, we, we skim over that too quickly and too, too fast. You're so right on. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So how did I get here? Let's see. (laughs) Uh, So I, to make my very long story short, I used to be a, um, a bodybuilder, a fitness model, a competitor. I don't know if you know that part of my story, but I was raised in a, a very loving household and also a very conservative mindset, very black and white, very, this is right. This is wrong. God loves this. Doesn't love this. Mm. Um, raised with a lot of those traditional mindsets of this is a woman's role and a woman's job. And one day you're going to be married, you're going to have babies and you're going to be taken care of. And uh, you're going to be submissive to your husband, like all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I really rebelled against that, like physically with creating physical armor by being a bodybuilder and wanting to be tough and like one of the guys. And, and I swung the pendulum to the other side because I thought that men in many ways were superior. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create this masculine armor and fight against, it was in a way fighting against the patriarchy, but also feeding right into it. Cause I was a, you know, I was a fitness model. I was trying to do the thing of looking perfect and being perfect. So I was really just this very confusing cluster of, of trying to fight the system and also playing totally into it, which I think is exactly what shadow work is, is Mm -hmm. what you repress is what is coming up the most in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was creating this physical armor and 
going into this mindset of I need to prove my worth, prove that I am um, strong and powerful. And that was such a big theme in my life is how can I show my power to people? And it was running my life and it was actually taking me very far away from my, my flow. Mm-hmm. Finding my own ability to surrender and surrender not so much in like waving a white flag, but more so being able to see what's coming up in my life, whether it's like an emotion mm-hmm. and make room for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what surrender really is. It is, oh, this thing is happening that I didn't plan on. How can mm-hmm. I simply make room for it and let it be and even be kind to that, that thing or that part of me that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So out of, when I got out of bodybuilding and I realized how unhealthy it was, I went into this. Um, I went into this time in my life where I was really craving feminine energy, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it back then. I was like, oh, I just feel like living in the mountains, and I feel like adopting a dog, and and I feel like getting away from people for a bit. And now that I can look back at that, I can see how cool it was that I was craving the mountains and craving Mother Earth, mm-hmm. and I was craving to nurture something. So I got a dog and I was craving to be inward. And that was now six years ago. And since then, in the past six years, my mission and my message has evolved so many times over every year. It's just like this butterfly and this Mm. cocoon of uh, transformation or a phoenix almost. Yeah. Until now where I really teach people about uh, harmonizing their, their innate feminine and masculine energies. And if that doesn't resonate with people, you can think about your sun and your moon energy or your yin and your yang, your alpha omega. Yeah. And uh, bringing that into relationships as well mm-hmm. and polarity and sexual intimacy. I love all of this. And I also really resonate with putting that armor up and this really hard exterior shell that I thought was just me being tough and strong. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that the gentle, softer part of me, parts of me were just as strong as you know my literal muscles and that shell that I had put up for the world. So I'd love for you to just expand upon like what does it mean to nurture both aspects of us, however you you know the words you want to put to it, whether it's feminine and masculine or yin and yang, but how do we nurture both aspects of that that is innately within us in our lives? And then what is the benefit of that versus avoiding this or kind of like kind of going off the deep end in one direction, which it sounds like you've experienced in your life and, and I have too. Hmm. Well, first I want to make very clear what my, my lineage is mm-hmm. and my definitions of the feminine masculine, because it's actually quite different from a lot of people's. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, so my, two of my teachers that I work with, their names are John Wineland and Kendra Kunov. And a lot that I have cultivated and grown through over the past year has come from the countless trainings and deep dives I've done with them and their lineage comes from David data, which many people are familiar with. If you yeah. Know the mm-hmm. way of a superior man. So the masculine in this lineage is consciousness, mm. consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's the part of you and the part of me that has never changed. It's time, it's space, it's a container, it's presence, it's depth. So it's actually nothingness. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, um, if you think about men, which is the, the male body is the physical 
manifestation of the masculine. That does not mean that the masculine is male. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. If you do think about men in general, though, not every man, but many men, if you bring a problem to them or you explain to them something that's happening in your life, they want to solve it. They mm-hmm. want to fix it, right? Generally, not always, but a lot of the times they want to solve it. Let's let's package it up and be done with it. Because the masculine consciousness is all about nothingness. Mm-hmm. It is nothingness. It's just time and space. It's an empty container. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that when a primarily masculine being hears about a problem, they want to solve it so that it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Because they crave to be in the middle of nowhere and just be blissed out with no responsibilities. Really, that is a deep desire. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the opposite pole is the feminine, which is energy. It's literally what it is consciousness and energy. Mm -hmm. So energy is everything that flows into the nothingness. It's the, it's the livelihood. It's the rage. It's the tsunami. It's the river. It's the breeze. It's mother earth. It's everything. It's like, I'm talking with you right now and people who are listening can't see me, but my body is moving and I'm being the energy, whereas you're actually quite still. Mm -hmm. So you are holding the space right now for me to like do all the talking. You are in that masculine pull because you are still. Wow. Because you are in this, like you're in the consciousness of this and you are listening to me, whereas I am the energy and the the moving and the rippling. And then we might switch places and then I will be still. So that's what happens naturally in conversation. Yeah. If you are speaking with someone and you notice that you're the one kind of moving around and talking and they're standing still, that's because you've, you've been polarized. You're on opposite ends. Now, not always though. Sometimes you have two very feminine pole holders and they're both like kind of moving and grooving together as they're talking and maybe they interrupt each other and blah, blah, blah. like that happens all the time in, in friendships. Yeah. And that's why they, that is for friendships and not very often in relationships. Mm-hmm. relationship, you will find yourself in two opposite sides of the pole because that's actually quite hot. Mm-hmm. That's why opposites attract in this kind of way. When, when people say opposites attract, it could mean like, I like volleyball, you like soccer, but generally it's like the, the, the very outward person is very drawn to the inward person because yeah. opposites in that way attracts energetic. Mm-hmm. So... Knowing that, knowing that the feminine is energy and the masculine is consciousness, this comes into play in so many, so many areas of our life in regards to just us and how we interact with ourselves in our day-to-day life and how we eat and how we run a business or go to work, how we decide if a Saturday is spent living outside or living inside. But then this also is played out in relationships. If you notice that you and your partner have found yourself like lacking the sexual spark and you've been in a 10-year relationship and you're kind of freaking out like, oh my gosh, is this because we've been together so long? This is something that you have to cultivate and learn mm-hmm. how to do with yourself and how to do with others because depending on what a particular moment is calling for, you may need a different energy. You may need more stillness, more breath, or more energy and more movement to get something processed through your body. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I'm even just thinking about my own relationship. And so um, what is it safe to say that if you and your partner are both in that potentially like feminine expressive 
energy place at the same time that there's not there's not like no one's being the space holder and that then there could be some like conflict or friction well have you experienced this yeah well my partner's also he is a lot of feminine energy mm-hmm. okay so this can often i mean this could work this can work to have two people be both be in their feminine energy and london angel winters and her partner Justin Patrick Pierce talk about this in their book, mm-hmm. The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love. It's a mm-hmm. really good book. They talk about energetic agility so that this isn't, you know, being on the opposite sides of the pole is not a lifestyle. It's not every single day, right? You want to be able to maneuver between two people in their feminine to two people in their masculine to the opposite ends of the pole. Mm-hmm. depending on what you desire in a moment. So maybe if you're both in your feminine energy and you're both very like energetic and you both love to go to ecstatic dance and you both go mm, when you eat chocolate and like you're both just very indulgent and sensual, it could feel really good to have moments of that Yeah, because it's like that. That's what um, London calls Omega Omega. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's very much you're both like almost buddy buddy. It'll feel like a really tight friendship. Mm-hmm. And when you desire more polarity, when you desire more uh, sexual friction, or as Michaela Baum calls it, erotic friction, and you desire mm-hmm. to feel that tension, you need to, to learn how to go into that different sides of the energies. And yeah. that can happen in a moment. Mm-hmm. Normally, what that calls for is someone to decide to out omega the other. Hmm. You can't really out alpha the other. Mm-hmm. That can be interpreted wrong that can be interpreted kind of jarring if someone tries to out alpha you and it almost can feed into competition yeah but if someone out omegas it's very easy to get into the energetic agility and i'll give you an example so um something that i I mentioned earlier kendra we we talk about something called sacred helplessness Mm -hmm. so it's really awesome to be a woman or just a person in general, of course, but I, I'm, I'm a woman, so I'm going to speak from a woman's perspective, who is uh, powerful and who can help herself build a business, go to work, raise family. Like we can do things now. We know this. We don't really need to prove it. We know that we can do things as women. We are all very powerful and strong. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And it's really cool to be able to do all of the things and then choose consciously when you want to not do all the things. Yeah. And this is called sacred helplessness because it's not just helplessness where you can't do things. It's sacred helplessness because you're consciously choosing, okay, for the sake of this moment, I'm going to out Omega my partner and I'm going to let him take the reins consciously. Mm -hmm. That's the huge key here. Mm -hmm. And by you saying, I'm going to let go of where we go to dinner or I'm going to let go of what I wear tonight and let him choose for me mm-hmm. the outfit I'm going to wear. Or I'm going to let go of where we go on our family vacation and I'm going to let him decide. Since you're consciously choosing that and you are taking the step back, you are out omegging your partner, out omegaing your partner, which is polarizing the situation. Yeah. It's, it's making there be a lead and, quote, a follow, a yeah. conscious follow, a sacred follow. And that's hot actually. I love that. I love the way that you describe that. And it, it reminds me of the visual you mentioned in the beginning too around surrender and not like wave the white flag surrender, but like a conscious surrender to your partner and, and like choosing to, in this case, like 
my, with me and my partner letting him lead and take the reins. Like you said, it's hot. It's sexy. It's like, I know I am a badass woman who can get shit done and like run my own business and like own it. But it also feels really good to consciously step back and say, Hey, like even to ask for help sometimes and just allow myself to receive from him. And when I think of the feminine, I also think very much of the receiving part of us versus the giving, which is more in the masculine. And that's something that I've had to cultivate, like relearn, reteach myself in my life. Cause I was so like polarized into that masculine give, give, give. Cause I thought it made me strong and a better person, but it's like without the, the polarity and the contrast of also stepping back and letting myself receive it, it didn't feel good. Mm. Yeah. And like you said, like the masculine is, is outward and it's giving, giving, giving. Well, if you're masculine, if you want your partner to be primarily in the masculine pole and you want to be primarily in the feminine pole, Mm -hmm. given certain moments where you're both in one or the other. Yeah. He obviously would love to be the giver too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just said that being in your masculine means you love to give, well, the same thing is going to be for him. So it's actually a gift whenever you say, I'm going to receive. And I mean, I'm even going to create a moment to receive by asking for help. Yeah. And that gives him the opportunity to be able to step into that pole that he probably loves, which is Mm -hmm. to be able to, to show up in that way for you and to hold that masculine pole pose, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, be able to help you and be of service. And, and I think there's a beautiful time and a place for like those archetypes of being like the princess or the queen or the goddess or uh, the witch or whatever you want to be and let him be the king, the prince, whatever. I think those are really fun when they are conscious when you are deciding to do it. And it doesn't mean you have to have a conversation about it and say, Hey honey, tonight I'm going to be in my sacred helplessness and I'm going to ask you for help for something. Okay, here we go. No, it can just happen naturally where you walk up to him and you say something like, Oh, I just can't open this pickle jar. Mm -hmm. I just can't. And you know that you know how to open the pickle jar. (laughs) You're choosing for the sake of the relationship to create this moment. You're creating something where he goes, oh, baby, I'm going to open this for you. And then you can actually kind of tussle and have some cute moments with that. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is adorable. And it creates that sexual friction that we want. Yeah. Oh, I'm resonating with this so much. And so I'm curious how... I know you do a lot of shadow and you think you've mentioned already like the shadow side as well. How does the shadow play into this, this play between our own masculine and feminine energies or again, whatever words you want to put to them. And then we bring in this other layer of shadow. How does that stir things up a little bit? Well, I'll give an example in how it, was definitely not serving me to not look at a certain shadow I had. Mm-hmm. So last year was a very big year for me to look at my jealousy. Mm. And I think I, it, it kind of comes from my family's, my family, my mother's side of the lineage. Um, I think there's a lot, they're very Southern. They're all from Alabama and they're all beautiful blondes and just like this and, and Dutch, we're all Dutch. So I think there was some kind of energy. I know there's some kind of energy of like, we are beautiful. And the men did that too. Like the men to all the women worshiped, worship all the women. And, and there's just a lot of also this like patriarch 
kinds of feels of like, I'm the man, I, I claim you, which can be all great. I love that when it's conscious, that's the huge difference. And when you're choosing it and it's not because of a system, Mm -hmm. but I think from my, from that side of my family, I kind of created this, like, you should love me. Like I'm your princess, but like, it wasn't conscious. It was very much hidden. And because of that, thought of like thinking I was the pretty, pretty princess. That's like kind of better than everybody else. Mm. Like that was deep within my body. And I had this like major jealousy over anybody else getting the attention of someone I love. Mm. Like I had a boyfriend and even if he looked, even if he took like a online program and it sounded like he loved it more, even remotely more than me, Mm -hmm. I would be angry, but not actually angry. I'd be passive aggressive. Because I, I didn't know how to deal with my jealousy. I naturally thought my jealousy was wrong. I shamed myself for my jealousy. So I shamed my shadow side. Mm-hmm. I also didn't know how to express healthy anger. So there, therefore, I was the wounded feminine being passive aggressive, not straightforward, withholding my love, like mm-hmm. all the layers here. And so last year was a big year for me to play with my, my main shadow that was coming up which was jealousy. Mm -hmm. And a way that we can play with these energies is to personify them. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was jealous Janelle. Mm -hmm. Jealous Janelle was like this blonde, like fiery Southern blonde from Alabama who just thought the world of herself. And like, she is just it. I am jealous Janelle. And like giving her this entire personality, it separates, separates me from her in a way but yet also because I created a character around her, it made it easier for me to see her and welcome her in and see her as a part of me, mm-hmm. which is so necessary for our shadows because we are, we are the universe, mm-hmm. meaning every single quality that has ever existed in this world is within you and me. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say it straightforward, like there is the potential to be a killer. Mm-hmm. There is the potential to be a cheater. There is the potential to be... Um, I'm jealous Janelle, like just to be any single thing we ever see that we, we look at other people and say, Oh, how dare they did that? That's disgusting. They did. I would never do that. Well, yes, you would, you could, because mm-hmm. everything that is consciousness is within them and within you too. Yeah. So, um, that quality of being jealous was really destroying some of my relationships because I had no idea how to, how to be healthy with it. So I spent the year working on different stages of my jealousy. One, like understanding where it came from. Two, learning to talk to it, communicate with my jealousy, just me and jealousy, like no one else, just us. Like, where are you coming from? Why do you feel this way? I hear you. I'm here for you. I love you. You're okay. Mm -hmm. I welcome you in. And then the deepest layer is actually learning how to play with it. Mm -hmm. And what my teacher, John calls it is sacred theater. So actually Mm -hmm some sacred theater out of my jealousy. Like one time I, 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 I just decided to put aside 20 minutes a day to actually have a date with my jealousy rather than just waiting for it to pop up. Mm-hmm. And I turned on a Beyonce song and she sings about like being jealous and uh, how she like cooked this nice meal for her partner naked. She like did all these things and he didn't come home on time and like something about jealousy. And I just did this dance in this like sexy nightgown of like playing with my jealousy and totally expressing it and using my body to be embodied by jealousy. Yeah. And after a year of all those different stages of playing with it, doing music with it, looking at it, talking with it, 
jealousy is not something that is is unconsciously ruling my life mm. and it's still very much alive mm-hmm. it's not gone right like, in fact it's more present than ever mm-hmm. but it's a friend it's an ally she's cool i like my jealousy and mm. and like i know how to 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 welcome her in whenever i feel her and express her in a very healthy way Mm-hmm. that's what shadow work is so why it's so amazing is because it's not about getting rid of our anger like if only I accept my anger finally it'll be gone mm-hmm. it's accepting it so we finally know how to work with it yeah yeah that's uh, I w- as I was listening to your story it's such a good example because it's like you befriended jealous Janelle and you kind of integrated that once perceived darkness or disowned part of yourself into your consciousness and this this friend that you you know is part of you and isn't you're not saying never come back out to play and like disappear forever I don't accept you like you know go away you're saying like let's just let's communicate and let's let's work in partnership and union together mm-hmm. and I think that's such a it's, it's a more empowering way to look at our shadow so for mm-hmm. the women listening who also, I just want to say a lot of my, most of my listeners are also empaths and they, they do feel all the feels and they feel deeply. And so sometimes their, their, you know, anger feels like extra charged and, or like any of these negative emotions that come up can feel like super charged emotionally. And sometimes it's theirs and sometimes it's actually somebody else's that they're feeling. But regardless, when those negative emotions come up that are little bits of our, our shadow, how, like, I'm thinking of like the first step and how do we become aware of that as something that we don't have to shun and shame and push down and pretend like we never had those negative emotions. I think so many of us have been taught as little girls that we're not allowed to have those negative emotions or we've been punished for them. And so how do we start to become more aware of that part of us? Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So the first thing, there's a, there's two things that come up for me. And the very first thing, forget the story, forget where it came from, forget the why, please. I beg you, forget the why. That's where so many people go straight to. Why do I feel this way? Does, does, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Never really does. <laughs> um, so the very first thing is what does your body feel like? Mm. When you get mad, physically, what do you feel? Mm-hmm. what's happening mm-hmm. and and just stay there so right now like a great exercise of when is when you feel something happening you feel the charge what is a charge in your body what does that feel like mm-hmm. if i was to imagine that i was mad right now and i was feeling physical sensations what i would say is my face feels hot my chest feels tight my jaw feels tight mm-hmm. my hands feel warm my heart is beating fast like stating facts Mm -hmm. just and that's what embodiment actually is it's just bringing awareness to what's happening in this physical meat suit yeah what's happening in this and that's a really beautiful way to start getting familiar with these emotions and it also grounds you Mm -hmm. when you start attaching to a physical sensation rather than like the emotional or mental getting up in the head and then eventually getting lost in the clouds, mm-hmm. actually feeling what is happening in your body and attaching to that is a healthy attachment. Mm-hmm. It grounds you. 
it, it brings you back into your senses. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of us disassociate, yeah. which is the opposite. And so the very first thing I would say is immediately when you start feeling a charge, if you're at work, go take a 10 minute bathroom break, go into the bathroom and, and either say it out loud or pull out your phone and write in your notes. I feel my hands getting hot. I feel my chest getting tight. Just get that out mm-hmm. and then leave it there for now. It's a wonderful practice. Mm-hmm. And the, the second thing I would say is this is, the, this is what, the second thing, a.k.a. the next step. So do that for a while. Live there. Live in that land where you're just looking at what's happening in your body and bringing it into existence by saying it out loud or writing it down. Mm-hmm. The next thing is when you feel the charge is really alive and has nowhere to go and you're ready for it to go somewhere, set a container. Like I was saying earlier, a container is the masculine. It's a time, it's time and space. So that means space, my bedroom, time, 1250 to 1255. Like Mm -hmm. that's a container. You know when it's starting, you know when it's stopping, you feel safe to really drop in because you know it's only for this amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's why the masculine is so great. It gives us like a sandbox and then we get inside the sandbox and we play inside the sand and we feel like safe to do so because we know the sand isn't going to be pouring over. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are feeling... Uh, jealousy, right? One of the things that my teachers has has had us do is to get plastic bats and just like go to town, like using our plastic bat that we order off Amazon and just hitting our beds or just like ah, holding it in the air and just like letting and expressing or using our bodies again. We're being very embodied doing this, but expressing how we feel by using this bat to just hit our pillows, imagining our pillows. Sometimes we imagine that our pillows are our teachers because they drive us so up the wall and all of our mommy daddy issues come out with our teachers that that's one of our assignments is like that teacher right there is Kendra and that one is John. And I might just like go to, go to town, like expressing my anger about them and then letting it all out. And it's so clearing. Yeah. So clearing. It's so beautiful. And and it's not always that. Sometimes there's like a, a total like, sadness comes up. And mm-hmm. so I set a, a 10 minute container to get on my knees on the floor, turn on Oh Wonder or, or Death Cab for Cutie. That's wow. That's like very age. <laughs> I was listening to it the other day when I went to Coney Island. I had to put on Coney Island by Death Cab because I heard that song when I was all growing up. So uh-huh. it's on my mind right now. Um, yeah. And then just crying and opening your heart and physically. You may want to be like crying like this um, with uh, hunched shoulders and like bowing over. But my invitation would be to you is when you are getting embodied, do it in a way that feels like you're also opening. So like crying, yes, have a 10 minute crying practice, a sacred, sacred grief practice. But my encouragement to you would be to open your body as well. Mm-hmm. Let whatever needs to come out, come out and do your best to physically open your body, expose your heart also. Mm-hmm. So that would be the next step to actually express that charge, whatever is coming up. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this too. And, and a lot of the women in my community, like their voices, their voices are coming into my mind right now where 
so many of them feel nervous still or afraid of what might come out if they were to let go of control to that extent or like what would happen with that bad. And as I mentioned, majority of my listeners are empaths and feeling all the feels can sometimes feel like an assault at times. And I like someone, they're almost being attacked by their own emotions or they're afraid of like, again, if they do surrender that control and like, let it like open their chest, like you're saying, and not kind of round their shoulders as they're crying. And I'm curious to know, what is your perspective on the depth of emotions that we experience as human beings and how to actually surrender to them and allow ourselves to feel them without that shame so so that we're cooperating with them instead of running away from them. Hmm. Well, the first thing I'll say is never underestimate the power of a container. Like I said, everyone that's probably sitting here saying right now, but what if this happens? Well, I don't know. Have you tried a container before? You know, like a lot of people haven't actually done the timer thing. Mm -hmm. That is actually very, very, very powerful because you know, it's going to stop. There is a stop time. So it allows you to go really deep. Like if I was to, it's the same example of like turning on a Facebook video, like Let's just say you're scrolling Facebook and a video pops up and it looks intriguing. If you don't know how long it is, you're less likely to be fully present because it like, um, this might be like a 20 minute video. I don't know. if, I, But if you know it's a three minute video because you can already see it says three minutes, you're like, okay, I can do three minutes. I feel safe to drop into that three minutes and then you can be more present. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Knowing a time limit and having a, a concrete amount of time to do something allows us to really go in. Mm-hmm. And you got to stick with it too. It's part of the container and the structure is when it's over, it's over. You, you know, get off the floor, you do what you need to do. You can shake it out really quickly, like totally do a reset and then go on with your day and know that tonight or tomorrow you can come right back to that practice. Mm-hmm. But that's what practice is about. It's about setting a sacred time to do something. Mm-hmm. So I would say that. Um, and then also the, the assault piece that you're talking about, a lot of times that's still up here and it's this, it's the head, it's the stories we're creating about the emotions. Because if we physically look at a person that's experiencing a lot, they are, they're safe. They're physically lying on the floor, mm-hmm. right? And so nothing is actually going to happen, but in the head, it's the stories that we tell about ourselves. Yeah. Now that said, there are very, 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 very deep levels of trauma that can be experienced and released through practices like this. One, that's why I'm saying train your ability to bring awareness to where your body is and how it physically feels before you do any of this. Like really start to train, I feel this way, I feel this way, I feel my hands are hot, but I also feel the ground underneath my feet. I feel the texture of my desk underneath my palms. I feel like really getting that muscle trained because if you're having an experience where trauma is being released through your body, one thing that will always bring you back where it won't feel like an overwhelming assault that you get lost into is, okay, I feel the floor underneath my body. Yeah. I am being held. That's what's going to be your saving grace in those mm-hmm. moments is, is feeling the earth mm-hmm. and feeling rooted and realizing, okay, gravity has still got me. I am held. I am mm-hmm. safe. And um, also, like, let's say you're having this experience where you're feeling a lot of emotions. Can you also feel the four corners of the room Mm -hmm. as you feel this? And this is another thing John talks a lot about. Like, when you are 
having these experiences and you're starting to get really lost in the trauma release mm-hmm. and you might be <laughs> like in that moment, feel the floor underneath you. And then also, can you feel the four corners of your room? That's mm-hmm. the container you're in. Mm-hmm. that's going to bring you a level of safety of realizing, okay, there are four corners in this room. Like again, you are attaching to something sturdy, something real, something that's not just like, oh, God has me. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I am a very sport, spiritual woman, but there's something about tangibly seeing something and feeling something that makes us feel safer. Yeah. And so just, even, and the four corners of your room can be God. Mm-hmm. Make that God. Instead of just God has me, it's like, make this plaster, this wall, this paint, this is God and it has you and you're safe having this, having this space, this container to let your emotions and your trauma be released because mm-hmm. the room God, the God room has got you in this moment, in this 10 minute practice, you are safe. Wow. Yes. Fuck yes. I mean, that is so powerful and such. Not only I'm visualizing this as an amazing practice for yeah, surrendering to your emotions and letting them out and releasing trauma, but also for people who struggle with anxiety to kind of have a little, I guess it's just one of the emotions that could be released during this time, but like setting a, a little date with with those anxious feelings that we all experience in our own unique way but just and then also feeling that ground beneath your feet because I think anxiety is something that I I talk a lot about but my own experience with anxiety as well with my audience and it's something that can provoke so much fear and so many you know spirals of thought and emotion that of like what if in that embodiment brings you back into right now not oh my god what if this happens but instead how do i actually feel right here in this moment can i feel those four walls around me and creating that container of safety because i think anxiety can also can oftentimes make us feel very unsafe in our body Do you have any experience with like anxiety personally or professionally and also like as a whole, like allowing our bodies to feel that groundedness, that safety within that there's also a lot of listeners with chronic illness who feel like their body's sometimes against them. So I'd love your thoughts on safety, whether it's an emotional, like anxious feeling or it's a physical a symptom that they're experiencing coming back into this container of safety in the body. Mm. Well, yeah, to answer your question, yes, my entire life has been anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, since I was a child, I had OCD. I had sent, I have sensory, uh, sensory processing disorder, which like mm-hmm. sensations and sounds like really irritate me. So yeah. like, I, I can't wear jeans. I can't wear certain like textures of clothing yeah. or blankets or sounds or like uh, a watch that's too tight on my skin. I can't do it. Like there's so I many things my body can't handle. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like over here going like, oh yeah, I don't want any of that touching me. Yeah. I can't. There's so many things I cannot stand. And it yeah. makes me feel a little different from people because I can't be in a movie theater where people are eating popcorn. I only hear that or a breathing machine. I remember going to church and like there were people that had breathing machines. And we were always in the back row. And like, I couldn't be there when I was a kid because that drove me so insane. Um, and as a side note, I definitely take CBD every day. Yeah. CBD is a lifesaver. I really, I really, truly love it. Um, 
And for me, like besides like what I'm sharing with you about this container and being feeling the masculine presence and groundedness, like that's been a two year practice of every single day, being aware of my senses, getting back into my body and doing that with trusted teachers and doing that with, I had a somatic therapist, doing that with breath work, Wim Hof breathing, mm-hmm. doing uh, practice, dancing practices, ecstatic dancing practices, um, and just really, really, truly showing up every single day after day to do these things. I don't just like, all right, well, I'm going to like just reveal all my traumas and feel all the things by myself and like not really, you know, it, there's something to be said for being guided through these things and held through these things yeah. to feel, to feel safe. And there's all the different, all the different ways we do so like having a talk therapist, having then a somatic therapist, mm-hmm. having a partner that we can truly rely on and share with and reveal to, mm-hmm. right? If you have a partner who's also contributing to you not feeling safe, It's going to be very hard to heal when you continuously put your hand in a bucket of acid. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to be on fire, stop putting your hand in the acid bucket. Um, And yeah, like don't, don't go to the hardware store for milk. If you're wanting to have a life full of embodiment and nurturement and feeling safe and being held, why do you continuously hang out with those people? Mm-hmm. or do those things that bring you down mm-hmm. spend time like, watch those kind of films um so it's it's it ha- it's a it's a period of of cleansing and releasing what's no longer serving you and then bringing in the types of people and places and things and the job and interests that really serve this goal to yeah. feel safe mm-hmm. to feel safe in your body and it does require a team Mm-hmm. I have a t- I have a whole spiritual team. I have a spiritual team and I have a, a literal team of yeah. people that I now rely on. And it's taken me years, 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 years to create this team. But I always was very, I always stayed very true to my mission of wanting to feel safe mm-hmm. and just freaking wanting to be happy. Yeah. I just, I really just want to be happy. Like, I don't know what, if, if this job that I do being a coach is forever going to be what makes me happy, but I, I just want to be happy wherever that is and wherever my journey takes me. Mm-hmm. And safety is a, a very big component of being happy because if we don't have our basic safe needs met mm-hmm. and emotional safety met, um, we can't drop into happiness. We just can't. Like our brains are too focused on how do I make sure that I feel safe? How do like, who do I, what do I need to do? How do I need to eat? Who do I need to hang around with? Like I need safety, safety, safety. Like I, if I don't have safety, I can't live. Mm-hmm. So, you know, screw happiness for right now. Like I just need to make sure that I'm not going to be abandoned if I express my emotions to this person. Mm-hmm. And if that is something that is showing up day after day with this person that you're dating or you're married to, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very challenging to reach that level of happiness because happiness does require a certain extent of carefreeness, mm-hmm. feeling like, ah, oh, I'm yeah. okay. So my encouragement is to look at all the different aspects of your life from the kind of house you live in. Like, are you physically living in a house that is on solid ground or is the floor falling out underneath you mm-hmm. and you're constantly having to do repairs on the floor? Like, look at stuff like that. Are you on a bed that dips inside and it sinks inside? Like, stuff like that matters if you're constantly trying to sleep and you're rolling into the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, look for the ways in your life where you're not having a firm ground. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's such such a good point. And as you were talking, I was also thinking about just the conversation around boundaries in our life mm-hmm. and kind of getting rid of some of those things or um, upgrading in the case of like a bed, right? The things that don't make us feel super safe and, and starting to you know, say no and to decide even just to like know within ourselves, what do I want and what don't I want? Like knowing myself well enough to know that. Can you just, we don't, we don't have too much more time here, but I'd love to just chat about boundaries for a moment and your experience of creating boundaries in your life. Cause I think that'll be great for the listeners to hear and just be inspired by how at least you, a story of creating boundaries, obviously we're all different. Okay. Um, let's see. Let me fill into this. Mm. Um, let's switch gears a little bit, but I've had being a coach, I've had to really learn about boundaries with, with like clients. Yeah. And, and I think anytime, I don't think I know anytime that you're stepping up into any kind of leadership role as a coach, a teacher of some sort, a mom, mm-hmm. um, any, any way where you are now responsible, it serves everyone when you are the one that steps into setting the boundaries instead of waiting till other people do so, especially mm-hmm. like, cause my experience is as being a coach moms, you will probably learn that immediately upon having kids of like boundaries and like creating that with others, but also with your kids and like what they can and cannot do. But because my experience in realm is with coaching is I've realized the importance of being the one to set the tone and to tell them what is to be expected, what is not to be expected. Here is the perimeter. Cause that actually makes people feel really safe and good. Mm-hmm. There's no ambiguity like, Oh, this is what I do. This is, this is the sandbox. Now I can jump inside because I know what my structures are. And that's what kids oftentimes need from, let's say like the, the, Okay. I'll say any parent figure, any parent. I was going to say the father figure because I like to use the masculine terms and the feminine the masculine is the boundaries and and that kind of stuff. But any, any parent parental figure, but having a a parent that says, okay, you can go outside and you can play until 6 PM and you can go down the street to the stop sign, but don't go any further than that. That really serves the kid. Unless they're a manifester in human design and goes into that, then you know what that means. Then you just need to go and do whatever you do. But if you are not that, having a certain perimeter that you know you are allowed to go out and play in makes them feel really safe to just go all around. So for me in boundaries and coaching, like that's been really important is to say, okay, here are maybe my, my email business hours. You can expect a response from me between here and here. Mm-hmm. And email me, but I ask that you do it in this kind of format. This is the start time of our call and the stop time of our call mm-hmm. and things like that. And I've, I've had to, I mean, this is very endless of all the different ways boundaries have come into play in my business. And then also on a personal level of like having boundaries with myself around my business of yeah. knowing how, yeah, how, how long I can go into a certain avenue and how long I can spend in this avenue over here. And and then with relationships, of course, I mean, that's an endless bucket every single day of learning how to set, especially living in New York City. Yeah. I have just moment after moment after, after moment of setting boundaries with people that I won't ever actually meet, but just right. look at me or call out at me. Like, 
it's it's a it's a gift it's a divine teacher in many ways yeah so i'm so curious because i've been diving into human design lately myself and i'm a projector what's your human design type i'm a projector yeah (laughs) it was fascinating for me to learn this and we don't have obviously time to go into it today maybe another episode but i um knowing kind of your own innate design as a human being also helps you realize like what is the best way for me to create boundaries or enforce them in my life and like it just it makes so many aha light bulbs go off in my own Mm -hmm. in my own life and in my business for sure too Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, as a projector, you know, we very much were fueled by people who recognize us. Yeah. And that's been a great like life hack for me is, oh, I spend, I should spend time with people who recognize my brilliance. And I'm also a Leo. So like, I love people just like telling me they love me. And like, I, see, I'm playing with my jealousy right now, you yeah. know, like, I, cause I, I own her and I, I, I embrace it and I'm open to all those different sides of me. But being a projector like that, has been so great for me is like, oh, I love to recognize people. I love to see the beauty and brilliance in people. And I worship people. I love people. Like I am such a people person. And if I love you, I love you. I am so loyal to you till I die. Also a Leo, like a Leo thing. And so I do want that in return. I do want people to to recognize me and being a projector and realizing that, oh, that's why that's so important to me. Mm -hmm. It's helped me with knowing who to work with who are my clients, who to invite to my retreats, who to have as friends, which family members to rely on and trust the most. Like that's been really helpful for me rather than bringing people in to be clients who don't actually see me as a gift to their life. And they're just like, Oh, I need any old coach. I'll hire you. Like that's not going to serve us at all. Mm -hmm. It's not going to serve me. It's not going to serve them. So knowing that I want to be filling my life with people who recognize me and help lift me up. Oh my gosh. It's just been so, so much easier like yeah. to have good friendships, knowing that that's a big key for me. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. You are such a, a light and uh, dark worker and light worker combined into one, which I feel like is extra spicy and like sensual and just you're a freaking goddess. I, I love your energy and I love having you on the show. Is there anything that, we, you feel like we didn't touch on today that you wanted to contribute or share with the listeners? Oh, no, this all feels really good. This feels really good. Thank you for having me on. This was a beautiful interview. And I love how many different angles that we covered and yeah. got to go into. And it just feels very well-rounded. And I, I love that you brought up the examples of people feeling like attacked by their emotions because we do want to make room for that to exist, yeah. especially doing embodiment practices. It can be scary. It can mm-hmm. be really scary when you first get into it. So starting slow is the absolute key. Mm, I yeah. love that. And where can people learn about more about you and, and follow you on social media and see what you do as a coach? You can find me at maddymoon.com, M-A-D-D-Y, moon.com. And that is my real last name. People <laughs> Yes, it is. And you can find me on Instagram. It's Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N. And my podcast, Mind Body Musings, has been around for six years now. Wow. About a week every Wednesday. So there's lots of episodes to dive into. Hell yeah. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Amazing. Thank you again so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.